This week we're wrapping up our Taking Flight series and if you've been around for a while, if you haven't, I can't review everything, go online and listen to it. But what we've basically learned in this series, from the time that we become Christian, God decides to take us on as a project. And his goal in this project is to transform our character into the character of his son, Jesus Christ. And God's plan for accomplishing that transformation is by renewing our minds. And it's because we've learned in this series that a renewed mind results in a transformed life. And it's because as we begin to see as God sees, we'll begin to do as God says. And we've learned over the past few weeks that renewing our mind is a two-step process. We have to take off the old, we have to put on the new. In other words, we have to take off all of the lies, all the misconceptions that maybe we've lived our life by, the things that have shaped our behavior for years, and then we have to replace those lies, those misconceptions, with specific truths from God's Word. And if you were here last weekend, we saw how this played out in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter four, the spirit led Jesus out into the desert. He fasted for 40 days. And then after 40 days, Satan came along to tempt him three different times. But each time Jesus saw through the temptation to the lie and he countered the specific lie with specific truth from God's word. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written. This weekend, I told you, as we wrap up this series, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of it is written, okay? I am going to give you an arsenal of biblical truth, specific biblical truth, that we can counter the specific temptations that most of us deal with on a regular basis. I would call these the top 12, okay? But before I get started, I want to make sure you have one of these sheets. We gave them out as you came in. If you don't have one, would you just raise your hand? We'll get one to you. If you don't want to get one right now, you can get it as you're leaving. So just raise your hand. They'll get it to you. Let me ask you, if you have your Bible this weekend, to turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, because in John chapter 8, Jesus kind of gives us his version of what we've been talking about in this series. Let me give you a little bit of background as you're turning. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We'll put the verses up on the screen. But in John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to a predominantly Jewish crowd. And while he is speaking to this crowd, there's a small group of Jews. They hear Jesus. They're impressed with Jesus. They make the decision that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And they decide that they're going to follow Jesus. And so Jesus, he turns his attention to this new group of Jewish followers. And this is what Jesus says to them in John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. So Jesus basically says to these new followers, if you really want to be my followers, if you really want to be my disciple, this is what you have to do. You have to obey what I say. In other words, you have to saturate your life. You have to saturate your mind with my word, my truths, my teaching. But not only is it enough to learn them, you have to begin to obey them. And then Jesus gives them this promise in verse 32. You've heard it before, but maybe you didn't know the context. Jesus then said, then you will know the truth. In other words, if you will saturate your mind with my truth, if you will obey my truth, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this is so simple that we, we tend to just blow right by it. But Jesus is basically saying here, the, tree, the key to transformation, the key to a transformed life is learning his word and obeying his word. Now, here's the problem for many of us who have been Christians for years. Somewhere on our Christian journey, we got the idea that if we would just get dressed on the weekend and go to church, that somehow magically our lives would change. But if you're honest, some of you have been coming to church now for years, but you're still the same person you've always been. 
and you're still waiting for your husband to change, but he hasn't changed. And your kids are brats and you're still waiting for your kids to change, but they haven't changed. And it's because you need to understand there's nowhere in the Bible where it says, if you will go to church, you'll be a better person. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, if you will go to church, your life is going to change. Jesus makes it very, very clear here in John chapter eight. He says, hey, do you wanna be free from your anger? Do you wanna be free from lust and jealousy and, and greed and inability to get along in your relationships? And most of us hear that and we're like, yep, that's why we're here, sign me up. And Jesus says, well, then let me tell you, it's really, really simple. It has nothing to do with going to church. It has nothing to do with praying. Jesus says it's about saturating our mind with his truth. And that truth, not our dedication. That truth, not our commitment. That truth, not our church attendance. That truth, not our prayer life. That truth has the power to set us free. And as we are set free by the truth of God's word, our lives are changed. Our lives are transformed. But do you know what that requires of us? It requires that we know the truth. And the truth from God's word will begin to change how we think. And as we begin to change how we think, as our mind is renewed, our lives will be changed. Again, because when we begin to see as God sees, we will begin to do as God says. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so to make sure that we are equipped to do our part in this process of being transformed. As I said, this weekend, I am just going to give you an arsenal of truth because see, we're going to look at some specific issues. As I said, I think we all wrestle with to some degree, and I'm going to help you understand how to integrate these particular verses or these particular biblical truths into your life. And by doing so, you're going to be able to counter the lies that maybe you've believed so that the truth can set you free. Are you ready? We're gonna get busy. I'm gonna tell you, if you're visiting for the first time, it's gonna be like drinking from a fire hose, okay? But here we go. On your sheet, you'll notice the very top left-hand corner, let's begin by talking about the thought life. Do you know what the lie is when it comes to your thought life? The lie is, I can't help what I think about. Mike, sometimes I'm just driving along, minding my own business, and all of a sudden I have a thought I shouldn't have, and my mind goes in that direction. Or I'm just sitting down and I'm watching ESPN, and out of the blue there's a thought, I don't know where it comes from, I can't control it. But remember, behind every temptation is a lie. So let me give you some verse that will help counter the lie that you can't control your thought life. The verse is Colossians chapter two, three, verse two, three, three and four. Paul writes, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. But I want you to focus especially on that first part. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If you are a guy, this is the verse that you need to commit to memory. See, this is the kind of verse you need when you're sitting on the beach, listening to worship music, watching the waves and the clouds go by. And here she comes in an itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot bikini, right? Now you got a couple of options at that moment. You can try to turn your head, you can try to ignore her, or you can take control of your mind and say, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And by the time you finish the verse, she's gone. You know what I'm saying? She's gone, she's out of the way. 
Ladies, maybe it's different for you. Maybe there's just somebody that you're mad at and in your spare time, maybe it's when you're just getting your nails done, she pops into your head, he pops into your head, right? And you start thinking about how much you hate that person. And you start having that imaginary conversation. You start going down that road, man, I'm telling you, when I get a chance, I am going to let them have it. I'm going to set them straight. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. But see, those are the kinds of wacky things that take place in our minds. So to control our minds, we have to have, and it is written about our thought life. I am setting my mind on things above, not on earthly things, because you know what? In Christ, I have died to those things, and those things no longer control me. Next one, consequence of sin, top middle. You know what the lie is? The lie is, I can do whatever I want to do, and there are no consequences. But I want you to see the truth to sin and its consequences. James chapter one, verse 15 and 16. Look what James writes. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, each one of us need to memorize those two verses. We need to have those verses right on the tip of our tongue. And I'll tell you why. It's because every single day, We are tempted to sin, and often we justify that there won't be any consequence to our sin. But do you know what the Bible teaches about sin? The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. It teaches that every time we sin, there's death. I'm gonna be honest with you. Some of you killed your marriage by committing adultery. Some of you killed your reputation at work by compromising your ethics. Some of you killed your relationship with your children because of your anger. Some of you have alienated yourself from your parents because of your pride. You killed those relationships. I'm telling you, I'm promising you, wherever there is sin, there is death. It may be a slow death. It may be almost imperceptible. But I'm telling you, every one of us have habits in our lives that has caused death death in our relationships, death in our character, death in our self-esteem. You need to understand the truth. Wherever there's sin, there's death. And James says, don't be deceived. And when you get ready to sin, you need to remember James 1, 15 and 16, that what you're thinking about doing will lead to death in some area of your life. And I'm telling you, if you memorize that verse and say it out loud, many times it will get you moving in the right direction. Next, honesty, top right-hand corner. Do you have a problem with lying? Colossians 3, 9, and 10 tells us why honesty is so important. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. By the way, do you know why we lie? We lie because we think it'll make us look better. We lie because we think it will get us to the place that we want to be or it will get us to the place where in our hearts we think we need to be. But this verse says that when we lie, we work against what God is trying to do in our lives. He is at work. He is trying to renew us. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with his practices and you have put on the new. Remember what Paul we saw a few weeks ago. Paul says, you've been changed. You are a new creature. You cannot live the way you used to live because you are not the person that you used to be. You've got to stop the lying. You've got to start being honest. That is the power of truth. Forgiveness. Do you know why we don't forgive? A couple of reasons. 
One, we don't forgive because often we just don't think we can forgive. But more often than not, we don't forgive because we don't think the person that hurt us deserves it. And the reason we feel that way about the people who have hurt us is because, see, we kind of have these kinds of thoughts. See, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Or if I forgive you, it's like I'm telling you that it's okay to hurt me. In other words, we don't want to forgive the person who hurt us because we want to punish that individual for what they've done. And I'm telling you, that's erroneous thinking. But for many of us, it keeps us from forgiving. And as a result, if you look back over the shoulder of your life, you will see in your wake of your life, dead bodies of destroyed relationships because of your unwillingness and your inability to forgive you, like I can't forgive him, I just can't forgive him. Well, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you know why we forgive? As Christians, we forgive because we have been forgiven. But he goes on to say, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Let me tell you something. If you have a problem forgiving, if there's somebody in your life that you're really, really angry at, if you find yourself replaying you know, that recording in your mind over and over again and it, you just can't seem to let it go, let me tell you something. You are being controlled by lies. Your life is being controlled by things that just are not true because you can forgive and you ought to forgive. You know why? Because you are a forgiven person. And so every time you start playing those imaginary conversations, this verse just needs to explode in your mind so you can shut it down right there. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave me. Forgiveness is not an emotional decision. Forgiveness is a mental decision. You got to forgive. There's the truth that will help you do that. How about pride? Do you know what the lie is behind pride? Do you know why we're so proud? It's because we think we're something. We think we're all that, right? And we think nobody else is as all that as I am. I mean, they're okay, but they're not as okay as I am because I really got it together. I am really something. And that's why you find yourself in business meetings or at work saying, just so you know what she suggested, I suggested that last week. Just so you know, originally, that was my idea. Did you know I came up with that? You know? Or you, you want to point out all of your accomplishments. Or regardless of the situation, you can never, ever be wrong. But I got to tell you, often our character issues, a lot of our character issues that we struggle with that hurt us in relationships are wrapped up in our pride. Let me show you a great verse. 20, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you have a problem admitting that you're wrong, if you struggle with pride, I am telling you, you need and it is written. And it's so that as soon as your mouth opens, as soon as you start down that road, you can be reminded, 
Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. God says, you want to boast about something? You want to have pride over an area of your life? God says, take pride in the fact over the relationship you have with me. Change. What's the lie behind change? I can't change. You ever said that? I just can't change. You know why you don't think you can change? Because your mama was that way. And her mama was that way. And her mama was that. In fact, it probably was all the way back to Eve. So you're thinking, I can't change. It's just the way that I am. But let me show you a verse. And we looked at it a few times in this series, Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Did you realize that your heritage is a pattern of this world? Just because your daddy did it and your granddaddy did it and your great granddaddy did it. That is, that's just a pattern of this world. Paul says, listen, you don't have to be that way just because they were that way. Look what it says, Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So when you start to think, I wish I could change, I just can't change, you stop yourself, you respond, no, I am not going to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. But I'm telling you, it's gotta be front and center in your mind. It's gotta be right there, so in that moment, when you're getting ready to give into that temptation because you don't think you can change, no, 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 do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <sighs> Past the storm. How about anger and revenge? You know what the lie is behind anger and revenge? It's basically the same as the lie behind forgiveness. I should be angry because they deserve it. I should seek revenge because they deserve it. By the way, let me just say this. 90% of the issues that I've dealt with in my 36 years of pastoring that had to do with marriage and marriage counseling, 90% of them, I would say, can be traced back to anger. Do you know why? It's because anger impacts our character like no other emotion because anger paralyzes us and puts us in a position where we are not able to forgive and we're in bondage. And we like to say, I'm not angry, but what we do is we just push it down. And you know what happens when we push anger down in our life? It turns into depression and you drag it everywhere you go. Let me tell you something. Marriage problems are easy to resolve. How to squeeze the toothpaste, that's easy. Do you want the toilet paper going under or do you want it coming over? We can fix that. How to handle your finances and get on a budget, that's easy. I'm telling you, the real problems that destroy marriages and relationships are nearly always anger issues. And you know what I've discovered? Often it's not really your spouse. They just happen to be in the line of fire. Many times it's anger that you brought into the marriage from a relationship in your past that you've never honestly dealt with. And they just happen to be, get the brunt of it in your relationship. In fact, some of you listening right now, you are so mad. You're not even sure why you're so mad anymore. But you, you don't even know what to do with your anger. And you feel kind of justified because whoever you're angry at, they probably deserve it anyway. And so you're kind of okay being angry. But let me just say, you can't keep acting that way. 
You're not the person you used to be. You can't continue to act the way you used to act before Jesus Christ. You are in bondage to that person. You are, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you are in bondage to that situation. You need to be set free by God's truth. Let me show you the verse. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone. You know what that verse means in the Greek? Everyone. Okay? Everyone. Dads, this is especially for you. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, here's the truth that will set you free. And maybe you've never even seen this part of the verse. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Do you know what that means? It means that your anger works against God's will and God's plan in your life. In fact, when you just let your anger fly, you are basically saying, God, I will teach you. In fact, God, I'm going to work against you. And my guess is that's not a conscious decision, but I'm telling you, that's what you're doing. The truth is this. Our anger never accomplishes God's will for our life. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Mike, you, you, you don't know what they did. I'm not saying they're not wrong. In fact, they may be 100% wrong, but you need to know the truth because it's the truth that's going to set you free. And the truth is this, your anger will not allow God to accomplish his will in your life. Your anger will not get you where God wants to take you. So I'm telling you, this kind of verse, it needs to be front and center in your mind when your spouse screws up, or your child screws up, or your boss screws up, or your friend screws up. I need to be quick to listen. I need to be slow to speak, and I need to be slow to become angry. That's where I need to live right now in this encounter. You gotta deal with it. Truth is set you free. Speech, big one for me. Do you know what the lie is that fuels our speech? I can't help what I say. I mean, they just call me on the phone and something about the way he talks to me, he just gets me going, you know. Every time I, she just baits me every time I, here's the truth, Ephesians 4, 29. Let not any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Imagine a family where that truth was a reality. Imagine a marriage where that truth was reality. Imagine being a boss like that or an employee like that. Imagine a church, okay? Forget that. Imagine your small group, okay? Where your speech was governed by saying only what is helpful for building up according to their needs. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, can you imagine before you got ready to speak, before you engaged your mouth, you thought, I'm only going to say what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. I'm telling you, for those of us who have a hard time controlling what we say, that's the verse that needs to be front and center in our minds. I mean, at the end of the day, we only have two options. We can try to be better. We can try harder. That's one option. Of course, we'll fail because that's how it's always worked in our lives. Or we can renew our minds. You got to renew your mind. Selfishness. Selfishness. Anybody struggle with selfishness? Nobody? Not in this area. You know what the lie is behind selfishness? The lie is what I have going on in my life is more important than what you have going on in your life. What I need in my life right now is more important than what you need in your life. 
right now. And that's why, like when your spouse calls you at work, say, honey, I cannot talk to you right now because what I have going on in my life is more important than what you have going on in your life right now. And that's why when you come home and you promise your kids you'll take them to the park, I, I know I told you, but I'm not taking you to the park. And I'll tell you why. Because what I need right now is more important than what you need right now, okay? Let me show you the truth. Philippians chapter two, verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, here it is, value others above yourself. Let me tell you what that means. Maybe this, maybe this will help. I'll give you a little way to do this. Think of somebody that you really believe, you really believe is more important than you. For some of you, that's gonna be tough because you are the center of your universe, okay? But really, really try. Try to think of somebody that's more important than you, okay? You need to take that person's face and put it on the face of your family members. You need to take that person's face and put it on the face of your roommate and you need to treat those people as if they really are more important than you. And I'm telling you, if you will do that, it will break. She's shaking her head. Ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna, well, we're gonna talk. But anyway, uh, if you will do that, I'm telling you, you will break your selfishness habit. I'll give you an example. If I got a call that Billy Graham was coming to my house, everything would change to accommodate Billy Graham. He would have the best parking place. We would make sure we wanted to know what he wanted to eat. I'd even eat tomatoes if Billy Graham. And I believe that's the fruit that screwed up everything in the garden. I would eat that if Billy Graham was coming to my house. That's what he wanted us to eat. I'd make sure he had the best TV, the best seat so he could see ESPN. I mean, everything would change. We would be so honored that Billy Graham was coming to our house. Everything would revolve around him. Let me ask you a question. If that's the case, and we could all think of someone like that. If that's really the case, should I treat Laura any less honorable than a person I have never even met? And if you think about it, obviously the logical response is, of course not. Of course not. Why would I treat a stranger I've never even met better than I treat my wife of 38 years? I'm telling you, if we would just begin to treat our family members as someone who is more important than we are, it would change the entire dynamic of our homes. Now, that doesn't mean that your deal isn't more important. It just means that even if it is more important, you're still gonna treat others as if their deal is more important than yours. Isn't that wise? I mean, isn't that just simple? That's the kind of truth that's in God's word. Look at verse three again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. What if when you got in the car and you drove home before you even walked in the door, knowing the kids were gonna be all over the place and dinner probably wasn't gonna be done and whatever, what if, what, if that, what if that verse was already front and center in your mind? What if when you got out of class before you even got back to the apartment and you ran into your roommate, what if that verse was front and center? What if that became the habit of your life? See, it's not enough just to show up at church and hear me talk about it and do a series on it. You gotta take the simple truth and you've gotta integrate it into your thinking so that it is right here, so that it is front and center in my mind. God, I know I'm getting ready to walk into chaos, but I don't wanna do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, I'm gonna put my wife, I'm gonna put the kids, I'm gonna put the grandkids, I'm gonna value them right now regardless of how tired I am. I'm gonna value them more than I'm gonna value myself. Can you imagine what that would do in your relationships? Materialism. 
Do you know what the lie is behind materialism? And we talked about this in the Multiply series. The lie is this, as soon as. As soon as. As soon as I get that boat, as soon as I get that house, as soon as I get the raise, as soon as I get the car, man, I'll be content. As soon as. I'll be at peace. I'm telling you, that is the biggest bunch of hogwash in the world. There is no end to that mentality. There is no as soon as. Here's the truth. Proverbs 30, verse eight. Remember a few weeks ago, I said, I'm gonna give you the first part of a verse, but I'm not gonna give you the second part because it'll scare you too much. Okay, I'm gonna scare you now. Okay, here it is. Proverbs 30, verse eight. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me. Remember that? Now look at this. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Let me tell you something. For those of us who live in this area, most of us, most of us who have more than we need, most of us who have a car to drive, most of us who have a house to live in, most of us who have a job to go to every day, most of us, we desperately need this verse. And it's because, see, we live in an area, we live in one of the wealthiest areas on the planet. We live in an area in a culture that tells us every single day, as soon as, as soon as, as soon as, if only, if only, right? And it's so easy for us to become a slave to that kind of thinking. Look what the verse says. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Now look at this. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Who is that guy? Right. I mean, what if every day you prayed, God, I don't want to have so much that what I have distracts me from you. God, I don't need God. I got a boat. I don't need God. I got a vacation house. I don't need God. I got a golf cart. I got a three-car garage, whatever it is. See, but every one of us, we know people whose stuff distracted them from God. But look at what verse 9 continues. Or I may become poor and still. And so dishonor the name of my God. I'm telling you, as Christians, we need to pray this every day. God, give me only what I can handle. No more, no less. And let me get my little jab in here. If that prayer scares you, it's because you haven't surrendered the area of your finances to God. God, give me only what I can handle. No more, no less. You know what the American prayer is? God, bless me. And if you're not going to bless me, leave me alone. Don't mess anything up. I got a good thing going here. If I need you, I'll call you. Right? But what if instead of that was God, give me only what I can handle. No more, no less. Authority. You're going to love this one. You know what the lie is behind authority? The lie is if I don't agree, I don't need to obey. Anybody struggle with that? I struggle with it every morning when I leave my house in Holly Springs. Because if I go down Green Oaks Parkway, four lanes, medium divided, no school, no houses, no children, no chipmunks, no nothing, 35 miles an hour. Every day I drive, who is the idiot that made this 35 miles an hour? There's no reason in the world for this. Every time Laura gets in the car, why is this 35 miles an hour? It makes no sense this is 35 miles an hour. So I go the other way. Old Holly Springs Road, two-lane road, back through beautiful, through the woods, over a little bridge, no homes, no kids, no traffic. Hadn't even seen a deer, 35 miles an hour. Whole way, cursing under my breath. What? See, here's another lie. 
If I don't respect the person who made the rule, I don't have to obey the rule. Or if the rule gets in my way, I don't have to keep the rule. By the way, jails are full of people who subscribe to that kind of thinking. Now I'm gonna show you a verse and you're probably not gonna like this verse, especially the way the political climate is, but I love this kind of stuff. Romans 13, verse one. Let, okay, let's say it together. Let, any exceptions, uh-uh. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. If you didn't get that, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Now this is gonna tick you off. But Donald Trump's in the White House because God put Donald Trump in the White House. And that drives some of you crazy. President Obama was in the White House because God said, I want President Obama in the White House. And that drove some of you crazy. God establishes the governor. God decides who's gonna put on that police uniform, that sheriff's uniform. God indirectly sets the stupid speed limit. That's what that means. That's what that means. Verse two. You haven't left yet, so let me keep going. Verse two. Consequently, since that's true, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You guys read social media? Don't ever send me a message on social media because I won't answer it. Because I'm only on there because Laura put me on there. Because I'm getting ready to publish a book and she says, you gotta be on social media. This is, my, this is how much I cooperated with getting on social media. She did something on the computer, she did something on my phone, and then she said, put your thumb on the button right there. And I put my thumb on the button, she says, you're on Facebook. So don't, don't think that you're really gonna send me, you know, you can't get hold of me, so don't even try. But anyway, here's the thing. Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. I, was, I, mean, I look at Facebook. There are little moms with toddlers and children dropping the F-bomb and all, on Facebook talking about politicians and political situations. Do you know why we keep the law? Do you know why we obey the speed limit and pay our taxes? Do you know why we pull over when a blue light comes on behind us? It's because God is behind the law. You say, well, wait a second. Well, let me just remind you. When Paul wrote this, he was living under the thumb of Emperor Nero, who was burning Christians at the stake in his garden to entertain people at his dinner parties. And so the Christians are living in Rome saying, Paul, wait a second. Do we have to obey Nero? And Paul responds, yeah. Because God established Nero to be the emperor. And God established Nero to be the emperor for a reason. And so as long as Nero is the emperor, we will obey Nero. But why, Paul? Because to obey, to disobey Nero is to disobey God. By the way, just so you know, eventually Christianity took over Rome. So God knows what, he, God always has a plan. You may not like it. People are all worried about the White House and the government and the North Korea, like, who cares? Honestly, it could be the end of the world and we get a front row seat. It's gonna happen. 
It's gonna happen. And you know what? If it's the end of the world, this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. I know where my eternal destiny is. But if you can see life that way, who cares? Quit watching the news. Watch Sports Center. Watch HGTV, right? Sorry, I got a preaching guy. Relationships. Relationships. I'm going to wrap it up. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Let me tell you something. The reason that some of you struggle with relationships, the reason that some of you struggle with life is because you think, hey, Mike, I'm not 16 anymore. I can handle it. Peer pressure doesn't affect me. God said that's a lie. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know what that says in the Hebrew? Lay down with dogs, get up with fleas. That's what it says right there. See? It's not really what it says, but this is my point. The people you surround yourself with will determine, will determine the direction and quality of your life. That's just the way it is no matter how old we are. And we need to have this simple truth, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffer harm. We need to have that truth right there front and center in our minds as we make decisions about relationships. By the way, parents, this is one of the absolute best things that you could do with your children would be to help them memorize verses like walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harms. Don't just ignore this and come back to me when you're 16 and say, Mike, I don't know what happened. They were so good when they were four and now they're like little hellions. They're wild, they're out of control. I may just ask you, did you help them memorize specific truths to counter those specific temptations that you knew they were gonna face when they got to be 13, 14, 15, 16 years old? And if you respond, well, not really because I'm not really good at memorizing. They didn't seem that smart to me so I didn't ask them to memorize anything either. If that's, don't even call me. Call the, call the youth pastor at Colonial or something. Call somebody else. Don't even call me because I just may explode. My head may explode, right? Because understand, as parents, you have the opportunity to lay the foundation now for their future. And I know what some of you are thinking. Mike, this is so easy for you. Raised in a Christian home, probably went to Awana, you know, probably attended seminary, memorized verses. This has nothing to do with Christian home, Awana, seminary. You know what this is? This takes discipline. This takes some work. This takes some effort. And you can either put forth the discipline, the work, and the effort, and memorize these truths and have them ready for the Holy Spirit to use, or you can just, so your life will change, or you can just continue to go to church and pray, and probably nothing's ever gonna change in your life. Now, you need to understand the Bible is full of this kind of great wisdom. And you need to find the specific truths where you struggled. I've given you 12, great place to get started. This is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to break these things up into 12 cards, start with the thought life. I'm gonna ask you to memorize one verse a week for the next 12 weeks. You can do it. You memorize stupid songs, stats to baseball players. You can, some of you know that song. I like big butts and I cannot lie. I've heard you, I've seen you at karaoke. You know every word, right? You can memorize this kind of stuff. You can do this. And if you find, find an accountability partner, get a neighbor who goes to hope, get somebody at work who goes to hope, the lady that you walk with, the guy you play golf, every week get together and say, what's your verse for the week? Memorize these verses. And then four things you can do with them. First of all, <clears throat> learn to speak the truth. In other words, once you memorize these truths, 
When you get in a bind, when you get in a crunch, you need to say these things out loud. Guys, you see that girl walking out with, you know, with the Daisy Dukes on and the halter top, set your mind on things above, not on, not on earthly things, right? Ladies, you see that pair of shoes you want, but your credit cards are maxed out and you know you shouldn't buy them. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, right? I told you the big one for me lately has been all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who called according to his purpose. You know what? Because in my life, there's a lot of things going on I can't control. And so when my mind starts going there and I start going down that little dark tunnel, I stop and say, oh yes, God, I forgot. All things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. I can't explain it. There's just something powerful about saying God's word out loud. Somebody asked me a few weeks ago, can Satan read our minds? No, he's not omniscient. He's not all powerful. Satan can't read your mind, but you know what? He can hear. And maybe that's why it's so powerful. When he hears it, he's like, I'm out. Because what we're basically saying is, Satan, it is written. It is written. Second, personalize these truths. All things work together for good for me because I love God. And I'm called according to his purpose. Pray it. God, you have promised me that all things will work together for good for those who love you, for those who are called according to your purpose. Meditate on them saturate your mind with these truths. Think about them when you're driving the work. Turn off 99.9, the fan. Turn off Bob Doom. It's just for a little while. He goes here, then turn it back on. But turn him off for a little while and just meditate. I'm cutting because our lives are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Because as we begin to see as God sees, we'll do as God says. And that's how our life changes. You know what I think God is saying? I can't make it any easier. I wrote it down, I even put it in a book for you. You probably have 10 of these laying around your house. And if that wasn't enough, Mike gave it to you on perforated sheets of paper. I mean, good gracious. How much easier can we make it for you? But I'm saying, you've got to get in the habit of doing this. This has to be the habit of your life. Because I'm telling you, everything else you do in your Christian journey is built on the premise that you're working with God to renew your mind. We got a great new Bible study that we're launching online. It's a six-part study. You can do it as an individual. You could do it in a group. It's, it's geared to establish us in the foundation of our faith. If you're new in your faith, a refresher course, there's action steps. There's application for everyone. There's ways that you can do this with your children. You could go through it. Then you could take someone else through it. You need to check it out. It's called Anchored. Check it out. But I'm telling you, it won't be enough just to learn the curriculum. And check it off and say, I've done that. You've got to obey it. You've got to live it. You've got to incorporate it into your life. Because nothing matters if your mind isn't being renewed. It's just knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 8, 1, Paul says, knowledge alone just puffs up, makes you arrogant. But I'm telling you, a renewed mind results in a transformed life. Jesus says, you'll know the truth. It'll set you free. Now, next week, we're going to begin a brand new series, as I said, on Abraham. How do we walk by faith? How do we trust God when we can't see him, when we can't hear him? How do you trust him? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for the series that we've gone through. Father, I hope that it's been helpful to us as we realize that we don't change. Our lives aren't just changed by osmosis. It's not changed by reciting the Lord's Prayer. It's not changed just because we attend church. We're transformed through the renewing of our minds as we begin to see life 
and relationships and marriage and finances as you see those things. And through your scripture, we bring our lives in line with you. As we see, as you see, we'll do as you say. Give us the power, give us the fortitude, give us the discipline to follow through with this. In your name we pray, amen.